0: of my favorite people, one of my very best friends. She is a television producer. She is a real estate agent. She is a daughter. She is a sister. Is a creator. She is a philanthropist. She is everything. I'm yeah, you gonna are. to I know, but that's who you are. <laughs> that is. That's amen. who you are. Amen. Fatima. Fatima, say your last name because I always get it wrong child. You... El Swiffy. El Swiffy. El
1: Swiffy. El Swiffy. El
0: Swiffy is here with us today. And I just want y'all to give her a nice The Nina Show welcome. Woo! Thank you so much for Thank joining us today. For Thank you make me. yourself at home. So y'all, we're gonna have us a little, a little cocktail. Just a little. <laughs> just a little something. Just a little champagne. You know. So, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk today. So tell me a little bit about you. How did you start off in the industry? Because now you're working, you've done a couple of things. Fatima has worked for OWN um, and their creative side. I've been there now
1: going on eight years. Yeah. Like a, a good seven and a half years at OWN. It's been amazing. Yeah. I started in like my mid-20s, 25 okay. years, something like that. And yeah, started from the bottom. Literally started from production assistant to now being a producer. Wow. And doing some executive things, working on podcasts, yeah. working on a lot of Oprah's content. Nice. Which has been amazing because that's not my background. Nice.
0: Oh, cool. Do cool. you what made you decide that you were going to go into own? Um, like tell me about that process. Because today we're all talking about like navigating past no.
1: Yeah, so I, like I said, I have no experience in the, I didn't have any experience in the industry. Mm -hmm. I was an economics major from Spelman College. And I really thought I would just do the corporate thing, just be a businesswoman, climb the corporate ladder, but I didn't really have a vision and I never saw myself as a creative. I know I was passionate about women. I know I was passionate about empowerment. My faith really took off where I started giving my, Gave my life to God in my early 20s. So I really didn't know who I was. So It's like, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. So then, um, yeah, it was a lot of feeling like I'm not worthy. It was a lot of, you know, finding who I am and what I care about. So I had, even talking about receiving no's, there were just a lot of jobs I had to take to figure out what it is I wanted to do. And... Yeah, treated badly, yeah, jobs, job. um, working, I get work in the um, non-profit sector, solely working my way where I feel like God made it really clear that I'm supposed to work mm-hmm. in entertainment, I'm supposed to produce content that matters, that inspires, and even though I always want to give glory to God, with everything God's like, I'm going to show you how that's going to come to me. Yeah. So, so yeah, I felt like God, li- I have something in my notes. I really encourage anyone to write the vision and make it plain Yeah. because I wrote in my notes in my phone, just sit on my phone. You know what? I just want to be an assistant at home and work my way up to being a producer.
0: It's so interesting that you say write the vision and make it plain because people talk about manifesting now. They call it manifesting, but really it's writing the vision and make Making it plain. Making it plain.
1: Making it super You know? Plain. Yeah. Yeah. And. I don't know. I I feel like a lot of people have testimonies connected to Oprah. Funny enough, she's always on people's vision boards. Similar to a Tyler Perry type because they, especially in the black community, but beyond that, they just come with so much vision. Like you can't put Oprah in one category. She's a talk show host, she's an actress, she's a magazine CEO, creator. And so I was like, I want to work for somebody that has a vision that feels unlimited. Yeah, That was really the thing. And I remember seeing her magazine on my mom's table. And I think my mom was watching Own at the same time. So I was looking at the magazine, watching Own, and I was like, I think I'm supposed to work for her. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't let it go. And that's when I feel like, you know, sometimes you don't know, Mm -hmm. but pay attention to those nudges. Yeah. Because I'm like... Hmm. And so I am going to tell this story. I was working at a temp agency at the time, which would allow you to work at different jobs within the entertainment industry. And I told um, my contact there, I was like, I really want to work at OWN. He was like, well, OWN has no empty positions, but what I can do for you is I could get you a job. I mean, I could get you an interview with HR and at least they'll know your face. Right. So I remember meeting with HR, I was so young, so green, and I was like, you know, I really want to be a producer. I was just, I was like, I care about content. You know, I'm a Christian, I want to make content that that really is about God, about my relationship with God, about encouraging others on how to walk with God. Right. I was very open, because usually in corporate structures you don't talk about that. Right. And I told her specifically what department I'd want to work in. I was like, I want to work in production and development. I want to do this and that. She was like, I don't know if it's your faith or what, but 30 minutes before you walked in here, someone quit in the very department you wanted. Look in. at God! So I said, okay. So that's why I just encourage, just go for it. Yeah. Go for it because God yeah. will, if it's for you, it will, oh, the door will open. Absolutely
0: and that goes with navigating past the no exactly it's like you know i feel like you know i've been an actor for all these years and i was producer with um Relebe entertainment under holly carter for many many years her and keisha Brickhouse, and i had so many no's so many no's um even and now with me pitching my own shows and stuff there's been so many no's but being able to navigate, if God says it and there's a word on it, then you have to figure out a way. You have to push past. You have to push past. You have to push past because it's not about what the no is that they may have said. Maybe it's about a no you have to re-navigate. And I really enjoy, because I know you're a producer, I really enjoy Carlos's King. Have you seen that? Yeah. yeah, all his all like, own yeah, stuff. yeah. I really enjoy his now... Podcast where he's doing it with the reality thing, uh-huh. and he had Mariah Hook on there. Okay. And you know I've done some work with Pop one time, and I was talking to. Um, they always just tell me I look like Mariah. I don't. I get a lot of people with Janet Jackson more so. Uh-huh. My uncle will co-sign.
1: <laughs> hey, uncle! Okay. You got to Oh, ooh, did
0: my hair just break. Oh, no, that's so ghetto. But this is Nina's show, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's so cute. Uh, it's, uh, I'm literally like okay and she literally pitched married to medicine she put her own money behind it wow she had nose after nose after nose and then now even with her having the show they actually wrote her out of her own show but she was talking about how she's still the executive producer and so I wonder like what was the biggest no that you feel like you've experienced in your career has it been with the start has it been like do you experience it now because i know you do also the same role.
1: um i feel like no's sometimes aren't super direct for me like i feel like some people's no is just like no you do not have this opportunity mm-hmm. i feel like for me it's more like this is i guess that is a no but it's more like we're not doing this right now, maybe later. It feels more like a delay, which is still a no. Yeah. So I feel like persistence and consistency is what helps me get past the no. Like yeah. I remember, I'll share a testimony, I'll just say, at a job. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. And, um, i was not getting paid what i should be getting paid uh, can we can we tell the people because one of the things these are my listeners so
0: we're navigating what the nina show is really about but i feel like i've done so much and one of the things that i have and privy to is a lot of people who are behind the scenes yeah because i don't ever say like my resume people don't really know how hefty it is
1: and so, can we talk about... And you feel unseen. It really it's behind the scenes. Yeah. And you feel unseen. Yeah. Because it's like you're doing a lot of the... And underpaid. 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 And because you're not so front-facing people can kind of get away with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's not that much exposure mm-hmm. for you to call things and out. And you're 24, you're 25. And you're just like, I'm just happy to be here. And no. I think as black women, I worked for three for over a year. And that's one thing. Like, there really is discrimination in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Like, being a woman of color in the workplace, like, you'll see white men in the same spaces get promoted because of how they look. It's like a posture they have that makes people assume like you deserve this title yeah. you deserve it, and we work that much harder we're servants We, and and I never want to lose my servant posture towards things but when do we advocate for ourselves like when do we actually speak up and I I was at the job and I was like I don't know how they're saying there's no budget they're saying there's no money at this particular job I'm like I don't know then I get Offered another job by someone who just knows of me outside of my job at the time, and I am like, okay, they're paying me double, a little more than double what I'm getting paid. Mm -hmm. It might not be my dream job, but it's still in the it's still in the world of what I want to do, production, everything. And it was a lot of exposure. I'm not gonna say it it wasn't a dream job for me, but it would still have been a job where my name would be out there. Yeah, I'm saying and so i was i took the meeting take the meeting take the meeting take the meeting because it teaches you your worth and your value yeah you're in one lane and people become super familiar with you yeah they almost don't see you you yeah they don't see what you've been contributing all along or whatever so i felt like in that moment i saw my value and i just thought okay i'm gonna have to quit this particular place i'm at and go there and I, what I did was I respectfully went to my boss, because you can do things with grace and yeah, be pleasant about absolutely. it. And I My was mama like, used to say there's a difference between arguing and advocating. That part. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be so... This is unfair. Some people mm-hmm. are blind in their own things. Absolutely. They don't even know. Mm-hmm. And they realize your words because you spoke up, so yeah. don't be afraid to speak up. Absolutely. So I spoke up and I said, this particular company wants to offer me this. It's double, a little bit more than double, than what I'm making. I, it's, it's it's an offer I can't refuse, yeah. but I want to come to you first because I respect everything you've done here and just present it to you. And so, uh, my boss at the time was like, you know, can you tell that person to get, I didn't even expect that response. I thought I was going to be like, okay, well, God bless you. I mean, they don't say that. Right. Do your thing. Keep moving. Wish and well. instead, she asked me to ask them to wait, and she advocated for me. That boss at that job and got right. me than what they were offering i love it so i'm just like staying silent will make the no seem more um what's the word i'm trying to say forever yeah but the no could just be temporary the no could be like you didn't unpack that no is it really a no or is it a later or is it a or is it i have to reposition
0: it because reposition, restructure, figure out how to, God is working out a work within me. I have to, you know, get my body in, in position. I have to do my work to be able to. I have to study. have, have I to have study. To, have to do all the things. Because I know one of the things that I really uh, learned when I was working with Dr. Holly. And I, I always say Dr. Holly, but I have to say Keisha as well. Because while Dr. Holly is my big mentor, Keisha's the equivalent to that and with working with them it was you don't take no for an answer you never take no for an answer you never and that's hard that as food.
1: women because we're told like if by having that kind of personality no. you're not as womanly anymore. Yeah. like you're compromising your femininity
0: but you're not because all i'm saying is hmm okay well let's do it this way or let's navigate it this way and it sometimes it's not like I'm going back and forth with you in this moment, but I know what God has told me. I know I'm supposed to be here. I know I have work, and I know when you pay me what I'm worth, I can excel even higher. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm big on that. And I think we don't know our worth and value without, like, it's all about risk-taking too. Yes. Like, you just take what you could get. Yeah. Like I'm done with that. Yeah, but, you can't. We're, you but, know, my mom said the best thing when I got
0: out of... um out of like behind the scenes work. She was like, you know, you've worked one for free for long enough. It's time for you to start getting paid in that field. And then two, you don't get what you are worth. You get what you negotiate. It's all about negotiation. No matter where you no are, it doesn't even have to be Absolutely business. not. Mm-hmm. You have to negotiate. You have to speak up for yourself, whether it comes, especially for a black women, which I have to circle back to you saying that you said as a black woman now, she don't think we, I'm black. Okay, <laughs> listen, right. we have to talk about it. I funny. always am so surprised when we, you and I first uh, became friends, and I have to say this about our friendship. is like, you know, I'm one of those type of people, when I see a friend, I kind of look them out, hmm, smoke <laughs> them out. So you were over there. I <laughs> like, hmm,
1: <laughs> I like her. You was over did. there you and
0: Stevie. I'm like, hmm,
1: I like her. And I said, Hey girl, we've been friends now for like maybe ten yeah, years. Yeah, eight 10 years, years, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: and I think you know I sent you that we you saw that post that I posted about like your day ones, but I have a day two. Yeah, and they were talking about you know you have day ones that are people who are like your cousins or your best friends from high school, mm-hmm. but it's important to have you some day two. Yes. people who you like pick, and these are the people who push you. And I feel like that's what our friendship has always been like—a mirror. We're like, are we going as hard? Right? Yes. We choose each other, right? We choose each other. And I find it interesting for you to say as a black woman because your family, while y'all may be in a higher, lighter melanin, y'all are pro-black. Now, let me tell you what I did tell y'all about Fatima. Fatima's family is black royalty here in L.A. They owe the Sentinel. Her dad, I mean, her uh, uncle is a civil rights activist. Everybody knows him. You guys own so much property here in L.A. And just seeing how you navigate that how has that been for you being a woman who is biracial? For all I'm not biracial. Well, I okay, was, girl, you was an okay. rejection.
1: So I guess I I've never.
0: That's well, I mean, African, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna say too much. No, I don't want to sound ignorant because I don't really know. So, that was, anyway, <laughs> but it's weird
1: because she always goes, "You biracial." I'm like, I have never. Gone. Cause I was up here, I'm looking at it, but too,
0: I'm like, damn, if Fatima eyes
1: gray. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying all these things to myself. But my dad is Egyptian. It's funny. My dad, he passed away in 2020. But he, you know, I don't really have a close connection to my Egyptian heritage. But he's born and raised, you know, Egypt. Your but parents got married in Egypt. They got married in Egypt. Yes. They met. Like, my mom's from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And... She's lighter skin. She's, She's from New Orleans. Our light skin, amazingly day. beautiful. Uh huh. And he was. It's funny. They met on a trip with a whole bunch of activists. Funny enough, I think. Um, who was on that trip? She told uh, us. Jackson. Yeah. We're, we're, Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson yeah. was on the trip. So like, he, my dad also had relationships with like mm-hmm. powerful black figures mm-hmm. in the U.S. And he take them. Like his whole mission was to take black people in the U.S. back to Africa nice. to see where, so he's taken to Ghana, Egypt, uh, South Africa, different places, so they met on one of those trips yeah. and fell in love in Kenya. It's a cute story, even though they ended up breaking up. But they but fell in love in purpose, they, it sounds they like. They it. fell in love in the, in the midst of purpose, but it's funny, my dad has always been pro-black, pro-Africa, even though he's a lighter Egyptian man, so that's where people get confused, like, what, well, I went to Spelman, all that, but yes, I'm... Like, yeah, I,
0: <laughs> and I believe.
1: Oh, I don't want to say.
0: Is it somebody look at this up and let me know? Egypt is in Africa. Okay, well African. then that means you African. Exactly. So <laughs> let me say. <laughs> but you're saying that even with your lighter tone, you still felt adversity. Yeah, being a black woman.
1: Yes, and it's funny because I used to. I grew up in Inglewood, California, and mm-hmm. I used to be called white girl growing me up. Me too. You know girl. what I mean? Just because. Yeah lighter than everyone, or or then I'd be called, they know what I was, and um, I always, I had friends that would defend me back then, she more African than you. (laughs) um, And so I always knew that, but my family, like I said, is so pro-black, it's like, there's no way I could disconnect from that. And then later, when I moved in high school to like more of a suburb, even though it's LA, California is still very diverse, that's when I felt more like, like the black prejudice because there were more white people in that environment or Asian people whatever and then in corporate America I'll never forget getting my first internship with a commercial real estate company I was the only person of color in the room so and I know I could pass for so many different things but I felt different I know I grew up different than everyone in the room and I see how you're, if you talk a little different, if you have a little something on the way your you, your language is because you grew up speaking slang, you grew up yeah. speaking a certain way, you feel that you're judged differently. You, yeah. just, you just feel like an outcast, I right. say. And I've noticed that I had to prove myself, which is annoying. And that's why I have to give credit to going to Spellman because- A-Town! <laughs> give credit to that because they I would argue that HBCUs prepare you more for corporate America than going to like a
0: really you know what's so funny that is that you went to an HBCU and which is in Atlanta and I'm from Atlanta right Uh and my mom would not let me go to a HBCU she, she works, because you grew up with all black people. Exactly. Yeah. Atlanta, people are always like, why do you live in L.A.? Again, I talk about y'all to see as we go through. Y'all to see my other homes in Atlanta. But I talk oh, about... Yeah. I, I got his, he's faithful. <laughs> abundant life. Abundant, hashtag abundant life. Amen. It's coming your way. If it's not already there. Amen. To the neighborhood. Um, but I she was like, no, because HBCUs teach you for a life that isn't reality and every time i go home i'm like hey what's up and i'm from atlanta i'm from atlanta both of my family my whole entire family both sides of my family grady babies so i go to the airport you probably know all my cousins because they're there in atlanta and so it's so black that i'm like that's not real life because here in la i can literally navigate and i cannot see black people all day as we talk about like you know going over from your experience with uh what is it called? HBCU and me going to a PWI, which PWI, why is it PWI? Predominantly white institution.
1: Oh, okay. All right, (laughs) all right. PWI, learn something new every day.
0: One of the things that I learned and me going with Mr. Don and him showing up for my brother in the way that he did it and we living in in LA. The thing that I love most about here is that you get to experience different cultures. And as I've been dating, that's one of the things that I really enjoy. Do you feel like you had that opportunity to like um, experience this different cultures as you work at home? Yes. You're not
1: talking about my previous dating life. No, no, no. Not dating. Not I'm dating dated. at all. Oh, my God. Did you but- really? Before you got <laughs> married? Oh, fun. But. <laughs> but yes, at home because originally the content wasn't supposed to be geared towards black women. Now yes. it's very clear that that's our audience. Um, but I do get to deal with all types of different people but you know what in corporate america sometimes it feels like white or black because
0: mm, everybody like kind
1: of you kind of don't, don't see know. all
0: the different colors
1: yeah like it's not as diverse as you would think yeah in that regard but um i do and i get different perspectives and i think it's a great way to exercise advocating for the black voice for the black woman's voice you know what i mean
0: I think one of the things that I really enjoy is, like, dating outside of my race is, you know, I'm a TikTok girl. I love to be on TikTok. Some of y'all like to be on TikTok, too. So, they be talking about, like, oh, as you date, like, outside your race, especially, like, white men, you get treated better. What was your experience dating a white guy? I'll tell you mine first. Okay. I had a few experiences dating a white guy, but, and I was really excited about this she one. like... Might- I did! I, I'm down with this world, y'all! Whitey, 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 whitey. Uh, oh. If you're black, nothing for you. But if you're white, there's something
1: for you. In this.
0: Sure, uh huh. but it was, I was reminded of the racism because I remember one night we were on the phone and he was like, Can we both agree that all black people are bad?
1: And so, how you ever How did I even make his way into it
0: he was talking about like marriage and everything like that and he had a friend who would had dated interracially and then they were having all these issues or whatever he was like so i just want to make sure we're on the same page about how we raise our kids and then he just kind of segued into that and i was like huh you know how you just kind of because i'm very much that person i believe that people will hang themselves if you give them enough rope Sometimes you don't interrupt folk when they talk talking. You just let them get all that. Because I want to see a whole full heart. Because one of my biggest fears about getting married, and I know that that can resonate with a lot of women, is I do not want to be a single mother.
1: Mm. I do. That's my biggest fear. That's my biggest fear. Even though I was raised by a single mom, and she did a fabulous yeah, job. I also I mean, saw right? the self-sacrifice. Yeah. She completely sacrificed herself. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. did not She did not she doesn't even know she never complained. yeah no, it's like you literally don't exist
0: yeah and as I can see now I can see how she's like putting up her boundaries now as y'all get older you know but I can also see in that how you know as, as black women or single parents or whatever, you don't realize that how much trauma that gives to your child. Because as somebody who comes from a therapy background, I can tell you the number one thing that people come in for therapy about is about their childhood. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had 85 95-year-olds my daddy wasn't in the picture, I'm looking at them, and I'm like,
1: all this time? All this time? And it's just broke you down just totally hurts. it's wild because when you're living it you don't think it's true I never even I was privileged enough to not even realize that not having my dad in the home Mm -hmm. with us, I lived in a happy home but later I'm like why am I why do I struggle with men with conversation with whatever why do I struggle in this area and it's a wound it starts in childhood yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's one of the biggest things and I feel like when I was dating back to us dating like uh, outside of the culture, they have that issue. But I, one of the things I really enjoyed about dating outside of my race was predominantly white was they really believe anything is possible.
1: Have you experienced mm. that? Hmm. I guess I didn't date my white guy long enough. Ah! <laughs> you got <laughs> snatched up out the streets. Lucky you. But I was saying with him you know what it was actually a you know what i did have trauma with him Mm. and i actually am willing to share this story because it's pretty wild he actually played a significant role i'm making it i'm building it up up. but basically when i graduated college i worked for a huge corporation Uh and the corporation had a leadership program and within the leadership program, you had to travel to manage a store. I was managing a store in Houston, Texas. Okay. That's where I met my Houston white man who had a lot of, a lot of swag, but was a traditional white man in a lot of ways. Yeah. On the job, at that corporate job, I had a mentor at the time that helped me even get the job and helped I was only 21, 22 years old, but was positioning me to be the future executive of mm-hmm. the company. Now this man sexually harassed me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see I, there were little signs that he was a little flirtatious with me, a little whatever. I think as women we don't even see that as problematic. Yeah, because it's like, okay, like he thinks I'm pretty. Maybe <laughs> Or we think it's innocent, but before I know it, he would do, like, really little inappropriate advances. Like, I, would, I remember being in a meeting and him touching my knee under the table. And I'm like, it's a little weird, but he's nice to me and he's mentoring me. I don't think he means it that way. I think that was the beginning of me making excuses for men, too, but <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a besides the point. But it got to the point where he put me in a very compromising situation. What happened? I was we had a team dinner for with my coworkers and we were leaving that particular store I was managing and I was like okay I'm gonna go to my I was staying in a hotel we all had like living at hotels because yeah. we were traveling for work and I was like I'm gonna go to my hotel to change for the team dinner and he's like okay I'll follow you and I was like okay because my the team dinner was right next to where my job was or where the dinner was And so I was like, okay, but it seemed a little weird, but I didn't, I don't even think I had the instincts Mm -hmm. at that point, I was very young. And so I remember going to my hotel, I was like, oh, he's for sure gonna wait for me in the car, and I'm gonna go change. He got out the car and he followed me into the hotel. When he followed me into the hotel, I was like, he's gonna for sure wait for me in the lobby. I didn't have the confidence to say, I'll be right back. Yeah. So as I was walking ahead of him, he didn't stay in the lobby he walked to the elevator with me and that's when i began to get a little scared and then i'm going to my room and i was like i felt like i led this man into my room even though that was not my intention i was just very young and i was probably 20 years younger than the man at the time yeah comes into my room and thank god i just moved really quickly i got my outfit for dinner went to the bathroom closed Locked the door, got dressed very quickly, and as I exited the bathroom, he's making sexual type of comments. You look so good in those jeans, damn, da 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 da, and I was scared. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm ready to go. I opened the door so quickly to get out the hotel. So. He's saying I, no. <laughs> that's inappropriate for me to say. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> So I leave, but I remember how I felt. And he basically told me my performance wasn't that great at my job. And he was like, I'll only be in town for a few days. There is a way. You can make it up to me. Women, this stuff happens, but I was so young. This was before the Me Too movement. Yeah. This was before. Yeah. And I remember being... It was a very out-of-body experience because I remember going to the team dinner right after that exchange and feeling like, I don't know. I just felt her just gross. Yeah. But he kept going. So whenever I'd be near him at the dinner or walk past him, remember what I told you. I'm only in town for a few days. You can meet me at my hotel. I'm like, this is real. So I leave. Say to that's the same, back to my white guy. Yeah. I leave that dinner to, and go to the white guy's house yeah. to have just a, pl- you know, I didn't have family in Houston, yeah. just have a, a source of comfort, mm-hmm. and I left out some of the details at first when I originally told him the story, because I was so embarrassed that I didn't have the boldness to not let that man come into my hotel room. yeah. And I so I tell him one version of the story, and then after I was like, "There's more to the story." He followed me to my hotel room, and instead of the that man comforting me, because I was in tears at that point of how I felt, like my performance wasn't valued. I was valued on the way I look or whatever. He kicked me out of his house because I lied to him. Will we count, will we qualify that as manipulative? What was that? I don't know what it was, but I remember. So I guess it was it was a very heartbreaking experience because it was a man I was developing a friendship relationship with while I was, you know, on location for work. And instead of comforting me after this sexual harassment experience, he kicked me out because I left out details of the story, and he can't trust me. So he made the story about him. Yeah. And I just remember being like, that's too kind of traumatic experiences with a man at the same time yeah very and it made me not trust myself and i don't know how we got on that but <laughs> i think that those were very early experiences that sometimes where women can blame themselves it too. sounds like trauma yeah. and i think that one of the things you know
0: again i come from a therapy background for y'all who don't She's know so good sometimes I yeah you <laughs> know for y'all who don't know my family owns a behavior mental health facility based in atlanta called serenity community services and so working in therapy what is what i'm hearing you say is that you had these two back-to-back traumatic experiences so you internalized them and thought something was wrong with you
1: Mm -hmm. but the
0: reality is that people are behaving badly that's their problem not some problem within you
1: Mm -mm. Mm -mm. you didn't do
0: anything wrong there's certainly men out here who you could have had in your hotel room would have sat there with you Make sure your shoes were well and went on about your business and never tried any advances. You just ran up on the wrong kind. And so I think sometimes we as women, we vilify ourselves. We don't even give Like, did I lead him on? Like,
1: even with the other guy, it was like I didn't – I did withhold information, which some people would would constitute as a lie, but it was also – it was a new – it's like a new guy you're talking to. It's like how many details do I share and how – how can he handle these details yeah. and when i got the courage to tell him everything he's like i can't trust you I, i'd rather you leave my house right Wow. Now. and i remember being like okay i mean i didn't fight it either but it's just wild i think it it grew me up quickly where it's like these flirty encounters just don't take it lightly have solid mm-hmm. boundaries you have and to speak up for yourself mm-hmm. i was young i thought I assumed others would know better, but you can't live yeah. life assuming that. Yeah. You have to put those in check, but you you learn that. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, you know, you have to protect yourself as a woman.
1: Yes. You really, really do. Yeah. So and learn you. as you go. Yeah. And learn as you go,
0: and give yourself the grace to be like, I. there's nothing wrong with me that I did that. And I had to say that to myself, and I'll share this. When I was in New York and I lost my virginity, I was really, really intoxicated. And so I tell people all the time, like, date soberly. <laughs> you mm-hmm. got to date sober because the things that you like when you're so... When you intoxicated is not going to be the things you like when you're sober. Mm-hmm. And so it borderline on the uh, on the cusp of rape. But I always felt so responsible that I should have not you been drinking. I blame myself, so I never press charges. Um, so I think that that's important. That it was we- violating. It was, it was very viola- violated. Not even remember any parts of it. And so I think with women, we have to give ourselves grace. And we also have to um, know that if people are behaving badly, that's not our responsibility. That's not our responsibility at all, at all.
1: At all. Boundaries protect us, but we, sometimes people just. Sometimes people just,
0: you know, they don't get it right. We're human. Mm-hmm. And they are too. And they don't get it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we're going to move
0: on to the segment called Ask Nina. And that's where people get to write in and they ask me a question and so we answer. Ooh. I know. So this week on Ask Nina, I have a question and it says, hey, Nina girl, I need some advice. Me and my husband have been married for a year and we have not had sex since our wedding night. We used to have an amazing sex life, but after I had our daughter, things kind of changed. But I figured it would get back to normal once we were married. Naturally, I assumed that he was dating other women, so I went through his iPad. And what I found totally shattered my heart. My husband has a twin brother, and he was telling his twin that the reason he doesn't have sex with me anymore is because of my weight. He actually said that he's not sexually attracted to me anymore because of how big I've gotten. I admit I've gained at least 60 pounds since we've been married. I've had to buy all new clothes. My husband is really into fitness and that's something we used to share together. Should I say something to him? Should I be mad? Help me girl because I don't know what to do. P.S. Give it to me straight sis. No chaser. You started? I'ma stay in a single person's place in this one.
1: <laughs> I say always put yourself in the other person's shoes. Okay, me. i I'm gonna start with myself. Alright. I'll just put this more in a hypothetical type of situation. If I marry somebody. If I'm with somebody. Yeah. And I met them a certain way. And I was deeply attracted to that. Yeah. And what I was attracted to shifts. Okay. The basis of my relationship shouldn't simply be what I was attracted to, right? But it was a component of it. It should be the person, right? So I think the question I ask is, first, get right, do we have that same connection? Like spiritual connection, personality connection, interest connection, the thing, the values, are they still... Same, yeah but if we look completely different than that thing that got things going it's not that you have to change we all change that's growing old yeah. right oh you don't what's that song it's on the great guys Will you still love me and when i'm not young and beautiful like we're gonna shift we're gonna get old like the change is gonna occur whether it's in the form of weight or age yeah but it's also being that authentic with your partner to ask what do you like what has shifted for you what are you struggling with because when you just take the position of offense, i think it causes a huge disconnection cuz i think people could navigate I, 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 I you were doing so I was doing nice. good but i was like cuz when you get married you marry all of the changes that come with the person yes. i just, but i don't think it's right to I'm going to be really sensitive but because I, having a baby... I don't have children. Yes. I don't know. I know that in my family, we gain Yeah, weight. it
0: goes ups and flows. Yeah. But I think it's also, like you said, put yourself in the... First of all, it says, thank you for writing in and thank you for being so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I will say is you have to put yourself in your husband's shoes. Yes. Imagine if your husband was not having sex with you and he had gained... Not even, let's say, 60 Let's say 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. If you weren't sexually attracted to him anymore, then it would be hard for you to, you know, throw that thing in a circle. And the reality is, is that what you're probably missing. What I heard stand out in here was we were both into fitness. That's how we first connected. So did he say that? Or yeah. into
1: fitness. She said, "Hold on, wait a minute, hold yeah, on. Let's, 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 let me look. Wait a minute,
0: I want to say." It says, my husband is really into fitness, and that's something we used to share okay. together. Okay, okay. So we I'm, used to share. We used to share together. Share together. So that, so that means,
1: means it's something you enjoy. Yes.
0: Yeah. So are you going through depression? Are you, de- you know, sad? Are you having post And we don't know about baby weight either. We don't know about anything everyone's
1: that. body's different. Yeah. You want to believe that your partner will be able to ebb and flow with you no matter yeah. what. But we're also human. We're also human. And attraction human. is real. And I think it's about what in you are you willing to meet him in that space to unpack what it is he's going through that's yeah. causing you guys to struggle sexually? Because I think sometimes men can be very mean, yeah, about that. I think transparency is at the. I think the so too. Because even think-
0: her going through her phone, sis, we don't want to do that. We don't even want to start that in that marriage. I mean, you go looking for something,
1: you gonna find it. You gonna find it, even if it's not like that deep like he may be navigating something and i'm not yeah. trying to give him too many excuses
0: oh, i'll give him excuses and
1: benefits she loves I love, child, I love me i love she does She's gonna be the men's advocate but i will say it sounds like it's a communication issue and you might not be as offended on the yeah. sidelines you might be able to work work a happy medium where yeah. it's just like that quality time working out together um, I know you're not. I don't have a child, but yeah. I know so many of my friends with postpartum and body changes and things that are mm-hmm. so personal. And then when you're dealing with a man that doesn't yeah. seem to be showing a lot of compassion towards that, I know that's hard, sis. But I would say the only advice I could give is,
0: is talk to him about it because also it may not also just be about the weight. We do know that exercise does give endorphins. So yes. perhaps, you know, I had a friend one time and she was like, she was married to her husband and she got on birth control. And her husband went to everybody, like her sister, her mother was like, can you please tell her to get off his birth control because it made her angry. And he didn't know how it's to extra. tell her.
1: Right. Like, right. Way. right. Yeah, not saying yeah. For every case that's the case, but it's like it could be another it could be
0: another thing. thing. And he's just communicating that to at least it's his brother who he said feel like it's a safe. Place. And no
1: one wants to look at the text I have of my sister. So there's yeah, there's a level of true. of rawness that happens. Yeah, it may not even be the full scope of it. Mm-hmm. It may have just been a moment. So yeah. I would suggest Communicating. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and pray yeah. about it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, we never like to leave you without a word and a word of prayer. So, today, the, the word that I have is that all of creation waits and groans in expectation of us, the children of God. And I believe that's in Romans 8. I believe that's it. A- Something like that. Uh Check, read your whole Bible. You'll figure it out. (laughs) But it is, it says, all of creation waits in earnest expectation for the revealing of God's people. And one of the things that God was saying to me is that we have to learn how to navigate the no. So that when he tells us to say go, that we go. That we go. And we
1: movement. don't let the no stop us. We don't let the no yeah. stop us.
0: Yeah. So I just want to encourage you not to let the no stop you. Not to let the no and your finances stop you. Not to let the no in your health stop you. Not to let the no in any area of your life stop you. Because if God gave you a word and he when says yes,
1: say yes, nobody can say no. So that's, so that's,
0: that's the word. So I want to pray for you really quick and we're going to let you go. God, we just thank you for your yes. We thank you, God, that all your promises are yes and amen And God. And so I pray, Father God, for every no, that you would give us your yes and that you would bless every situation that we are a part of, every part that hurts us, every part that blinds us, every part that is not like you. Have your way like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Fatima, thank you for sitting on my couch. Thanks for spending the whole day with me. And y'all, if you want to subscribe to The Nina Show, make sure you subscribe right now. Like, comment, look, say what you got to say. God. Uh-oh. Uh-uh. <laughs> but honey, keep it on cute because I will put you on mute, all right? <laughs> we are a place of love and of transparency. So I want you to subscribe. I want for you to share it. But most of all, I want for you to get this down on the inside of your heart. Amen. And know that you are better for this part of your life. Amen.
1: Amen. Bye. You. Bye.